You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is September 7th. 2021, and today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. On today's show, Max Raymond of District on Deck joins us. We talk about the impressive offensive performances from a lot of guys in the Nationals. We talk Carter Keeboom. We talk Lane Thomas. We talk Luis Garcia. All of these guys kind of coalesce and coming together and what their futures might do the Nationals moving forward. So I hope you guys enjoy today's show with Max Raymond of District on Deck and myself, Josh Neighbors. All right, here we go. It is a Labor Day night edition of a Locked On Nationals podcast. I am Josh Neighbors, joined by Max Raymond of District On Deck. And Max, first of all, happy Labor Day. Second of all, I I think I speak for everybody who is involved with covering the Washington Nationals when I say I'm very glad to have the Nats-Mets games over for the year because it feels like it feels like it's pretty wacky when they meet normally. But we have, I mean, this was what, the second five-game series they played against each other this year? I think they played a four-game earlier in the year. That was a weird scheduled one. Um, but a five-gamer here, wacky, all kinds of stuff happening. Get the weather, get the weird games, going to extra innings, blown saves. Kind of glad that it's all over now. It's in the rear view, right? It's just, it's just been a weird season with these two teams meeting. Yeah, man, I agree. First off, hat. Good to be back. Um, hope you also enjoyed your holiday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, you got games where one team's blowing nine zero leads. You got home runs from people you're not expecting. You got relievers doing really well that shouldn't. Then you got relievers that are supposed to do well that aren't. So like everything was topsy turvy. Every single game went down to the wire. But yeah, so the Nets, Mets are probably happy they're done playing the Nats, even though like it's supposed to be an easy win. It wasn't at all for them this weekend, and they're probably like, all right, cool, we don't have to go through that again. Because there's a tweet on the Nats Twitter page on a comment, and it said the Nats are playing every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series, and it's dumb because they suck. And, yeah, they played every game this series like it was Game <laughs> 7 of the World Series. They did. It went down to the wire, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was it, look, man, I mean, the one thing you, you can't say about the 2021 Nationals – is that at any point in time they quit, right? We've seen bad teams before who quit and they suck. And look, the Nats end up losing this series in total. They end up losing the season series in total. But they never, ever quit. I mean, that's that's why they won the last game of the series today. And I will say this, is that earlier in the year, the offense was really frustrating and the offense was frustrating some once they kind of moved on past the trade deadline. The offense was fun to watch this weekend. From all weekend long, the offense gave the Nationals fans something to cheer about from wire to wire. I mean, you went with five games this weekend. I know I know the offense was not great in the first game, in the 6-2 to loss. But the rest of the way, man, the offense was a lot of fun. Even in that 6-2 to loss, the offense 
came back and forced extras when everyone thought it was over. It was two nothing in the top of the That's ninth right, in, yeah. in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh yeah, I wrote an article about that earlier today about the whole comeback for the weekend series, and I had a tweet where I literally said, In their five comeback attempts this weekend, we're down two oh Friday in the ninth, lost six to two in ten innings. We're down nine oh Saturday, lost eleven to nine in extras. We're down one oh Saturday, one four to three. We're down four oh and six to four on Sunday, tied it at six six, ended up losing. And down three to two today, and walked it off. So that's something I haven't really seen this type of fight from the Nats since 2019, and it's interesting to think about because it's none of the same veterans anymore. It's not the guys that you would expect to have these comebacks. Besides Juan Soto and Josh Bell, it's people like Lane Thomas who wasn't wanted, and he he was a bench guy, and he was given away. Guys like Harakim and Luis Garcia who are in the minors. People like uh, Riley Adams, who was also seen as a throwaway. And just like these type of guys, like they finally given a chance. They're putting it all on the line. They're not quitting. Even if they lose, like you could just tell, like they're smiling, they're having fun, and they're doing stuff that hasn't been seen since the Nats were good. And it bodes well for the rebuild moving forward. Quick pause for the cause on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at Stat Hero. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really surprising, though? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't really stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house. Go to stathero.com slash locked on to sign up for free. And right now you can get up to three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. I'm not sure if there's a rule against reclaiming a guy that you traded, but like, do you think about this? The Nats could have had Brad Hand again. The Nats could have had Brad Hand and Riley Adams on the same team, like, last week. You know what I mean? It's it's weird mm-hmm. to think about the, the path they've taken. I, I want to ask you about some particular guys because, you know, I, I think some of their futures are, are cloudy. But, like, let's talk about Alcides Escobar, man. This guy has given them every single – I mean, out of nowhere, right? This guy comes in – what was it? Fourth of July weekend or thereabouts – um, or just before it comes in, you know, let's see. Um, yeah, 4th of July week. Actually, the day, the first game with the Nationals was the day before 4th of July. And his first, his first three games with the Nats, he goes 7 for 12. And really has just been hitting ever since. And this is a guy that, you know, for the entire season, 282, 338, 388. And I'm not, not you know, really good with the, the extra base hits. And, and then a... Uh, uh, a 726 OPS, but like, is this a guy they should consider bringing back as a utility infielder with experience next year? Is this a guy that you think they should consider having on the roster? A la Josh Harris. Maybe, you know, if, if a guy like a Josh Harrison isn't available, is this somebody you think they should give some consideration to bring back? Not in a full-time starting role. I don't think that's the way they should go, but in kind of a assistance capacity. No, because Davey Martinez won't do it. If we bring him back, Martinez, he likes him too much. When he likes a guy, he plays him. Martinez is going to let him start, and we don't need that. 
for a guy that has is playing his first full season since 2018, he's been amazing. I want him to be a starter next year. We don't want him to start. I want him to go to a team that needs a veteran placeholder as their guys are coming up. So maybe someone like the Tigers who are inching closer and closer, who can have some veteran leadership as they get ready to start making their push. Maybe someone like the Orioles who need like a placeholder because they have a few top prospects at shortstop that aren't ready yet. A team that can afford it, I just don't think the Nats can. Because, yeah, I would love to have him on as a bench bet. Like he's pretty productive, but Dave Martinez won't do it. He likes the guy too much. He, we saw what happened. Fans have been clamoring for Carter Keeboom to be hitting second. Escobar unfortunately goes down because he hurts himself. Keeboom finally goes in the two-hole, hits a homer. Next game, Escobar's back, and Keeboom immediately gets bumped back down the lineup. Right, he just right. likes him too much. Yeah, and, and and I was actually talking, you know, you and I talked about it. I also talked about this with Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington, but the idea that they should be tinkering with the lineup, right? This is the time to play around and mess with the lineup because what do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. I'm with you on that 100%. And, you know, you even bring up the Carter Keeboom part. Like, how, how about guys he likes too much? Estrubo Cabrera, right? Mm-hmm. In the 60-game season. That guy got a lot of reps in front of Keeboom. So I, I think you make an excellent point. Um, you kind of almost wish Escobar was doing this earlier in the season, right? They almost had him earlier on. Because this would have been a great trade piece. I mean, if you imagine a guy with this kind of productivity leading up to the trade deadline, you know, a guy who's getting on, you know, he's just he's hitting good numbers, gets on base a decent amount, right? That's a guy who's valuable, and and he makes stuff happen for an offense, and kind of gets things, you know, can get things going. Obviously, an aggressive guy too, and you know, I could see a team that's saying, "Hey, look, we're not swinging enough enough first pitch fastballs." You bring that guy in, he takes care of that problem pretty easily for you. So, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like, I, I'm with you. I think he finds his way onto a team. I think he probably ends up as a utility guy somewhere, you know, somewhere. But I'm I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Uh, if they brought him back in that capacity, right, the kind of capacity yeah. that you and I are talking about, we're cool with it, correct? I just – I agree, yeah, but Martinez won't do it. Yeah, that is the issue of it. Uh, let's move on to guys that are just absolutely still raking. The Lane Train, Lane Thomas – Every I said this when he got his first hit. You remember this, Max? You and I talked about it. I was like, "Well, the Nats have already won the John Lester trade, haven't they?" With one hit, this guy is a firecracker. I mean, I know we lost Trey Turner, and I used the word electricity. I think it's the right word to describe him. But Lane Thomas is fun. He is an exciting player, and oh yeah, he's just 26 years old. He's got plenty of control left. Left, and during his time. In DC, 304, 407, 457, 864 OPS. And how about it? Uh, a guy, you know, who's who is hitting for, um, you know, a little bit of, of power this month, too, right? Three home runs in the games that they've played in the month of September. In the five games that he's played in September, he's got three. Or, well, today he didn't home run, I don't believe, but um, so cannot make it six. But this guy just gets on base. He makes stuff happen. You know, and I think actually the numbers I gave you exclude today's game. So I exclude today. But this guy is just making stuff happen. And I'm going to say now, I know it's small sample size, but like this feels like we're trending towards him being an everyday guy next year. That feels like where this is at because number one, he's cheap. He's cheap. He's cheap. He's cheap. Right, and that feels like it's actually number one, number two, number three, number four, and number five. It kind of feels like the big things right now, but also 
he's been productive. And he's one of those guys, Max, that gets mentioned. And, you know, this is something that I've said this on every podcast. So if you're a daily listener, you probably get tired of this. But every podcast is somebody's first, Max. Baseball is a change of scenery sport, is it not? I yes, always sir. say this. It's a change of scenery sport. And boy, this guy needs a change of scenery badly because all of a sudden he's uh, he's hitting and he's hitting for, for all kinds of power. He's getting on base. He's walking. He's drawing some walks. This guy has been fantastic. One final pause in the action on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Direct TV. Does this sound familiar? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live? Yes. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows? Yes. And you're watching sports highlights on your phone? Yes. And you've got your friends, neighbors, best friends login for the good stuff? Uh, double yes. That's 100% me. Well, here's a way that I and others, just like you all, can fix this problem that we have. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So there's no excuse not to get your TV together with DirecTV Stream now. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the best place to find affordable parts for your car or truck. Why would you spend up to 30, 50, or even sometimes 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store. It's only 216 at rockauto.com. They're a family-run business serving auto parts customers online for nearly 20 years. Rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on and their how'd you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. You've probably seen this on because you're on Twitter almost as much as I am. Um, people are already comparing him to Trey Turner. Cause, oh, stop. Do not do that. Because Oh, I agree. But he has the speed, right? He's, yeah. They they clocked him this year. I've seen tweets where they said he is the third fastest um, sprint speed on the team behind Robles and Turner. So that's very good. He's making – like he had that sliding catch in the outfield, I want to say, yesterday where he prevented multiple runs for scoring, and I didn't think he was going to get there. He's striking out a lot, but for as much as he strikes out, he he walks. It's like a one-to-one ratio, which is just very surprising. Like For a guy that hits for his average, hits for his power, even though it's only been 20 games, you don't really expect someone to strike out and walk as much as he does at the same amount, but he's doing it well. Um, but yeah, no. I'm not calling the next Trey Turner, but people are already putting in the comparisons because of his defense. His well, speed, he's a white fast guy. He's a white yeah, fast guy who's like, you know, he's people are like, oh, he's a white dude who's fast. I feel like I've seen some of this before. Uh, this this reminds me of Trey Turner. Now, on the on the the defensive side of things, yeah, he's had some moments where you're, you know you're a little you're a little worried. Um, you know, at, at times he, he's not great, but 
look, that's something that's such a small sample size. You can argue that for his hitting as well. But this is a guy that's cheap. He has done well for the Nationals. He seems to like Nationals Park. He seems to like being a Washington National. So, excuse me, Max, I'm kind of of the, of the mind that, look, this guy, he deserves a chance to play every single day the rest of the season. And then we'll see what happens with who they bring in. But I believe he deserves a shot to compete uh, at the beginning of next season. Unless he doesn't get a hit for the rest of the season and all of next uh, spring training, I have him slotted in as a starter for next year's outfield. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, I mean, like, he, you bring in all these guys at the same time, right? For the longest, everyone was saying since the trade deadline, the most impressive player had been Josiah Gray. Then he has his two iffy starts, right? That happens. He's a rookie, just started pitching, right? But the only guy who hasn't had any downs since being coming up to the majors with the Nats is Lane Thomas. He's been the most consistent guy, and that's including people like um, Riley Adams, who's been very impressive, Mason Thompson, who's been really well, Patrick Murphy. Uh, the only other guy that's been as well, as strong as Lane Thomas, is a guy that has 3.2 innings, uh, Baldonado, that no one's ever heard of, and that right. I've already seen people who – Post whenever he walk comes into the game, people post him over the picture of uh, Mariano Rivera, and it's really funny. <laughs> but yeah, no. So Lane Thomas absolutely deserves a chance next year. I mean, he could be the next. Uh, what was it? The guy in the Reds who hit like those twenty home runs to end the season. And everyone thought it was the next big thing, and then he never like. And then he hasn't been anything since. He could be like that, but you'll take it. Like you don't have much to look forward to. And for now, he's just turned twenty six. He said you pencil him in as a major part of the rebuild moving forward. And unless Victor Robles randomly turns into what he is overnight and they sign someone like Castellanos, he has a spot in the outfield. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you know, let's let's talk about that that four or three win today. Another guy – and look, the results are good. This was an exciting game. The Nats end up getting uh, – in the end of the game, they get to Edwin Diaz, a very hard guy to get to in a lot of spots. But – you know, the guy who comes up big today in this game is Carter Keeboom. He goes two for five. And you and I had talked about him before a little bit, right? Uh, by the way, Luis, we'll get to Luis Garcia in a second. But this is a a situation where there was so much negativity surrounding Carter Keeboom. And rightfully so. There should have been a lot of negativity surrounding Carter Keeboom, considering what had happened and the way he had played, the way he would performed. But – these are lower leverage situations, and that's why we're all begging. We're begging for them to give him some higher leverage spots, right? This is why we're asking for them to hit him second. But as far as things go, man, he gets the walk off today. He got the walk off today, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was him. I, I was like, I want to make sure Lane Thomas doesn't look like Carter Keeboom now. Um, yeah, gets the walk off today. You know, I, I, yeah, I was watching the game. I was like, <laughs> losing my mind. Um, gets the walk off today. This is the guy that, you know, once again, look at the numbers. Since returning to the league, uh, since returning, you know, getting called back up, he is a much better hitter this part of the year than he was when he first played. That first month in July, 176, but August, 250, 348, 469, 817. You move ahead to September now, 263, 300, 316, 660. I know it's a, a small, small sample size, sample size here in September, but he's done an excellent job ever since being recalled and his performances are now warranting him getting that starter spot. Somebody has to come in and beat out Carter Cuban. I don't think they're going to bring in somebody else 
to beat him out. I think they bring in anybody. It's going to be somebody to play shortstop, right? That feels like the most likely scenario is they get a guy to play short for a couple of years in the short term, right? When, you know, I don't think they're giving anybody a massive contract, especially with Brady House on the way up because they they made a – they made a large financial commitment to Brady House, and mm-hmm. he is dead set on playing shortstop. So I don't think they want to block that until they really know what that situation is going to be, right? I know he's only 18, but look, that's a guy that could be in the league in three to four years. And so you don't want to sign somebody to a five, six-year deal in a situation where you're potentially blocking Brady House. So I think Carter Keebum is another one of those guys where, look, he's cheap, he's been effective, and he's kind of earned that spot. I know we talked about the shaky defense, but to me – He's getting better every single day. He's improving. And reps, 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 reps are big for guys like Garcia, who made some nice defensive plays today. We talked about that a lot. But but what do you think about Carter Keeboom, the steps that he's made on both his offense and his defense? So Keeboom, Garcia, uh, Austin, uh, Riley Adams, and Lane Thomas, I'll put in the same group because of this. All four of them in the beginning of their career were seen as the next thing at their position for their respective teams. They all joined a team that was ready to win now, wasn't able to take a hold of his position right away, struggled, and then were sent down, sent up, sent down, bench, start. And every single game had immense pressure because they knew if they messed up, they're back in the minors. And they weren't doing well, all four of them. Lane Thomas started the season in the Cardinals, 5 for 48 from before going to the bench. Uh, Riley Adams became expendable. Luis it's Garcia and Keyboom have been like buried in AAA, right? Nats become terrible. The pressure is off. They know they're going to get reps for the rest of the season. Even if they struggle, they know like there's none of that pressure of, oh, I'm going back to the minors. They're having fun. They're laughing. I can't remember. The, I've never saw Cargiboom laugh until after the rebuild. Like, he's having right. fun playing baseball. Luis Garcia, same thing. Riley Adams. And everyone knows Lane Thomas is having fun. And it's because the pressure is off them, right? Mm-hmm. So now that Cargiboom is finally playing like the way everyone thought he was going to a few years ago, and he's like, yeah, his defense is shaky, but he made a really nice play today at third, charging a ball that he's been booting in the past. He uh, had a nice play where he um, snagged that ball, even though it went right at him. It was 116 miles per hour off the yes. bat from Pete Alonzo, of all people. His name was murdered. Yeah. Like, and he's having fun. Um, so, yeah, no, Carter Keeboom, he's hitting for power, and he's been the most unlucky guy the last three weeks. So many times he's just ripped the ball. And they'll make like a nice sliding play down the third baseline, or it'll go straight at an outfielder in front of the warning track. Right, he's crushing it right now. The only person hitting the ball better than him is Juan Soto, and mm-hmm. but it's just going straight at people. So yeah, no, I agree with you. He has I don't I don't know when his rookie clock officially started, so I don't know how many years he has left on his contract, but at least four or five years left, right? And of cheap, affordable baseball. Yeah, so yeah, no. You, yeah, you absolutely take it. And he's showing improvements at third. Maybe you let Escobar go, you slide Garcia the short and Kibum the second, because whenever they shift Kibum, he always looks more comfortable. That's been pointed out numerous times by beat reporters, non-beat reporters, and it's just kind of obvious. And even though he is becoming more comfortable at third, it'd be very, you would escalate his defense game better if you move him. But overall, yeah, no, you definitely picture... Carter Keeboom is a guy, and the only reason you would get another third baseman is if you're ready to move him to second. So, yeah, if you want to bring in Chris Bryant, please put Carter Keeboom at second base because do not block him again. He's finally showing you what you thought he was going to be able to do two years ago. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys that, look, he's got one more year of team control than his arbitration for a bunch of years. The guy's only 23 years old, right? So with a strategy. And also, you know, I know we're talking about low leverage spots, but that's not a low leverage spot today. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the end of the game. It's, it, it doesn't matter if your team's not good or not. And here's what I'll say. With as many comebacks as the Nats had this weekend, I know they won a game earlier on, but to get that win today, that was meaningful, right? That was actually meaningful to have that many comebacks and to actually win a couple of those games and not be thwarted every single time. That kind of stuff is winning. That That's winning stuff. Mm-hmm. That is important to me. That, like, I, I know it's kind of hard to quantify as fans, but I, I think actually what you're talking about with joy, the happiness, that's important because that's that's tangible reactions to positive results that hopefully lead to more positive results. And the hit was off of Edwin freaking Diaz. Yeah. As shaky as he is, he's one of the best closers in baseball when he's on. And Keeboom even said in his post-game interview, he said the other night when the Nats, uh, that Friday game, right, they tied it, they had Riley Adams on third, two chances to score him, they don't. Keeboom faced, he had a chance to win at the game in Friday night, struck out on three pitches against Diaz, and this time around he's like, you got me last time. I knew what to expect. I put a ball on the play, and it was different. It's been three days, and he already made the correct adjustment in the same mm-hmm. position to win the game. Yeah, that's great progress that you love to see. That's winning stuff. It really is. Um, and then Luis Garcia is, really, is such a good athlete. You know, he's such a good athlete. He's coming along. He had I, – I know it's 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 been a more of an uphill climb for him at the plate than, than it has been, you know um, – uh, for a guy like Carter Keeboom, but he had a spectacular weekend. Did he not? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was tearing the cover off the ball all weekend long. It felt like, and um, you know, for him, he has started to improve this month. For him, I, I you know he's hitting well above two eighty, I think. But you know, that was a tough August. He came up, and the results were not where you wanted them to be. But we forget this is a guy who is twenty one years old. This is actually a guy who was younger than Juan Soto. He's got so much room to grow and develop, but he is now going to get a chance to play every single day. I think his spot on the team is safe as long as things don't go completely south next year <laughs> or the rest of the season. He's a guy that I feel comfortable with, and he made a nice diving play today, turn two today. He's getting those feet under him. Repetitions, repetitions, repetitions. Another guy at the big league level who just have to keep getting reps. Yeah, he went seven for 19 this series with four extra base hits. Three were doubles. He had that triple today. I mean, yeah, the pretty bad defense yeah, can, in the Mets. I mean, part, but, just yeah, he kind of just fell apart. But they <laughs> gave him a triple. There, absolutely botched. He had a couple there that he absolutely botched. Yeah, but no, no one was worse than that one. And, he, and it was funny. FP was like, "Oh, he made really great hustle on that play. That was a great play by Conforto." I was like, "How oh, he tripped and the ball rolled, and instead of being on first, he's on third. <laughs> I, I think. You know, so let's see. Conforto also messed up. I think it was him on both, right? The Escobar triple, where he just like completely misplayed it and kind of had a dovetail back around. So rough day for him. But yeah, man, I, I thought Luis was. You know, I thought he was. I think he's getting some confidence. I think he's growing, and, and you're starting to see a bit more now. The approach sometimes is questionable at the plate, but he but he's he's just twenty one, man. He's a baby. Yeah, no. Um entering today, he's hitting two seventy eight, three sixteen on base percentage, five hundred slugging, eight sixteen OPS in the month of September. And then you add in today's game where he had two more hits and his numbers mm-hmm. go up. And especially with the triple, that's gonna help his OPS. So yeah, no, he's looked great. And at second base, like what was it, a week and a half ago, he had to play to save that game where he um 
Yeah, he flipped it to second on that like acrobatic. I don't yes. even know how the he's he's a really good that, athlete, but, man. He's mm-hmm. such a good athlete. That's why I want to move him back to short. That was his natural position. And unless you splurge for one of the top shortstops, which I'm all for, if that's what you believe <laughs> your window is, you do it. If not, you move Garcia to short and keep him to second where they're both comfortable. One more guy I want to highlight before we get out of here, Max, is, you know, Josh Bell was talked about a lot when they made that deal, right, for him. They, they brought him over. Um, I think he has not gotten enough credit for the job that he has done this year. And look, the job of protecting Juan Soto is not an easy one. And it's also, to me, a job that's not meant for one guy. This is why that we saw, you know, um, protection also does not come in the, just in the back, right? Protection comes in the front as well, in my opinion, at least. Protection, protecting a guy that comes in the front of him and it comes behind him as well to make sure that, that guy gets pitched to in a lot of scenarios. And for me, Josh Bell has been somebody that now is playing that every single day role. And I thought this series is a good example of what he brings. He, to me, is a really good player. The left field thing, look, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. To, to me, I would keep I would I would keep um, Victor Robles up, and I would just keep playing him. And I know it's not working well, but like I don't need to see Josh Bell out there. I worry for his hamstrings. I worry for his knees. Everything lower body, basically. I am concerned for Josh Bell's uh, health and well being. But he's had a number of really strong months this year. You know, starting in July. You know, actually starting all the way back. Um, even in May, because he had that horrible month of April. But, you know, he goes 264 in May, 282 in June, 287 in July, 266 a bit down in August, now back up to 287 with his 381 OBP and 881 OPS. You know, this is a guy who's just, he's been really consistent and strong for them. Despite the fact the factors in the lineup around him are changing, I, I think he's been a decent player. I know he's getting a lot of opportunities, but I, I think um, – this is a guy that, you know, next year definitely obviously has a spot with one more year team control. We'll see how things shake out. But I like the way Josh Bell has been playing, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, especially because after the first month, he misses the first week or two because of COVID. Then he takes a month to get going because of said COVID, where he lost everything that he had during spring training. And fans are so quick to be like, DFA him. This guy sucks. Mike Rizzo, take his job. Dave Martinez, blah, 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 blah. You know, the keyboard warriors are out in, in strength. Since yeah. then, you haven't heard anything about Josh Bell because the keyboard warriors are like, nope, not touching that one because Josh Bell has been so good. Yeah, I mean, he is – two days ago he was third in, in the National League hitting in the double play. Soto was first. But, but when he's not hitting the doubles play, he's second on the team in homers with 24. Entering today at an AOPS of 800, 478 slugging percentage. He's worth 1.8 war, which is impressive because he, for the first month, he was almost a whole negative one war because of how bad he was playing. He's also top 40 in the league and runs driven in, too. Mm hmm. And then taking one, uh, then that signed him. Everyone was like iffy about it, or not signed, trade for him because of how bad his defense was. His defense, while it's not great, is commendable because he you could tell he's put so much effort into it. He, you can tell he hates the whole title of oh we can't play defense. He's a liability. He makes plays at first like he's making some picks you wouldn't expect. He's he has speed that you wouldn't expect for how big he is. He has more range than I would think. And yeah, he still has like defensive negative defensive metrics. But if you look at uh, his Fangraphs page, there's a wide like 
increase from the years prior, right? And that's what you love to see, a guy that is on board with what the coaching staff's trying to do, and he's just trying to try his hardest. It's like Daniel Murphy. Murphy wasn't a great defender with the Mets. He was awful. The Nats, he still wasn't great. But you could see every single day he was working as hard as possible to make it a thing. And that's something that you got to love because that helps the whole mindset of the new team, like locker room, like mindset that you're trying to build. He has a year left on his contract. Extend him, extend him, extend him. He's only 29. Yeah, and I'm not sure it's going to be that that. Um, I'm not even sure it's it's going to be that expensive to do. Uh, I really don't think it's going to be that expensive to get Josh Bell on a you know. Look, it doesn't have to be a long term extension. You know, it's not anything too crazy here. This guy's a solid, productive player. Good vet to have around. Yeah, it's a good vet to have around too. Good vet to have around. Good power bat in the lineup. All right, Max, what are you working on? Um, what can people expect to see from you coming up here soon? I'm actually working on a uh, why the Nats need to extend Josh Bell piece. So it's nice. funny you brought it up. Uh, we have a few other fun stuff coming up, some prospect pieces, Carter Keeboom piece, you know, some relievers the Nats need to sign because our, our bullpen for the 100 few in a row is terrible. God, so um, once again, man, thanks for having me back. Yeah, man, always appreciate your time. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.